power. I can walk through any devastation, and you will keep me alive, reviving me. Your power set me free from the hatred of my enemies. You keep every promise you have ever made to me. Since your love for me is constant and endless, I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing you have begun in me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you for this time in your presence, Lord. I thank you that you are here, Jesus, that you ordained this day before the foundations of the world, and you ordained for each one of these ladies to be in this room right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to their hearts, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I thank you, Father God, that today is a day of reckoning. It's a day of freedom for these women. I thank you, Lord, that shackles and chains that have held them all of their lives are going to fall to the ground today in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do, what you've already done throughout the course of this conference, Lord, what you're going to do now and what you're going to do this evening. We give you praise and glory in advance for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So when I was praying about um, what to speak about, purpose and glory kept coming up in my spirit. And the title of my message is Marked by Purpose and Glory. And Jesus' life, obviously, was marked by purpose and glory. He knew what he was here to do, right? The Father's mission. And he lived his life that way, carrying out the mission and doing the will of his Father at all costs. And it cost him, didn't it? And it will cost us too. When we choose, when we, when we put our faith in Jesus, it costs us. But he paid such a high price for your freedom. Oh, he is worthy of your life. Trust me. Give. I mean, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, your life is marked by purpose. And it is marked for the glory of God. Our mission is the same as his in that way. Jesus faced much opposition as he walked out the call of God on his life. So will we. If anyone has ever told you that becoming a Christian, all your problems disappear and life is just going to be amazing and easy and they were lying, they were selling you something. I mean, it's just, that isn't true. That isn't true, but we do have an anchor, right? So we're still going to go through things. We're still going to have hard things come into our lives. But I assure you that if he's allowed something difficult to come into your life's experience, he will redeem it, just like he did Jesus. Jesus suffered. Oh, how God redeemed his suffering. But for the joy set before him, we were the joy set before him. So today, I believe the shackles of shame and regret are going to be broken over your life, and you're going to be free to step into your God-given purpose with passion and holy boldness, like Jenny said. God can do, you know, things in you that you just didn't think, like, Oh my gosh, like me speaking, for example, it's not my jam. It's just not. That's not something that I would 
choose for myself. Hand me a boa constrictor, I'm fine. But standing up in front of people, like, no. Like, that's just, you know, that's not what I would choose for me. But his ways are higher, and his thoughts are so much higher. So never diminish or discount or, you know, that's part of the message today is that... Um, <laughs> that he has such amazing, there's purpose in your heart in all of us ladies. The platform is not any more, um, you know, like higher up than, than you sitting on the floor with your toddler, right? It's all, we're bringing glory to God in whatever season of life that we find ourselves in, you know? And I didn't think that when I was a mom of two toddlers. I always was like, man, I really want to do some big things for God, but that is ministry. I mean, like I was saying, that that is that is big things. You're you're shaping and molding the next generation of Jesus followers. What could be more holy or glorious than that? <laughs> so I want to say that your calling and your purpose is not some arbitrary where is Waldo thing. Let's just put that to rest. I'm going to tell you in a nutshell. I'm going to unravel the mystery for you right here and right now what your purpose is. Your, are you ready? Lean in. Your purpose is to know Jesus and to make him known. That's it. In a nutshell, that's it. Now, how that fleshes out for all of us obviously is different, right? So Jenny's called to the five-fold ministry, and she brings that fire. Maybe you're called to the marketplace, but you are called to bring the uh, gospel of reconciliation to that marketplace. You bring the purpose where you are. Don't diminish it and discount it and compare it and circumvent it and make it smaller than it is. You were made on purpose for the glory of God to bring him glory. So you can do that wherever you are. And as you're seeking the face of God and as you're, that's your heart's cry, Lord, I just want to do what you've called me to do, remember that. You're marked by purpose and glory, and your purpose is to know him intimately, intimately know him and make him known, to bring that to the lost and broken of the world. And you can do that anywhere. Mark 16, 15 said, Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, this is the purpose of our lives, to know Jesus and to make disciples. And in the culture and the day and age that we're living in, it is all about us, right? The world, I mean... It's all about self-glorification. It's all about making followers of yourself, you know, with all the social media, Instagram, Facebook. I just find that so ironic that, you know, how the enemy kind of counterfeits everything that the Lord has defined and put in place. And that's one of those things. We're not to make followers of ourselves. This isn't the Lisa show or the Jenny show or, you know, it's, it's we are here on purpose to glorify God, to bring the gifts that he's given us and placed inside of us and deposited down on the inside of us to bring that to the hurt and the broken and to the lost. That's what we're here for. We are not here for our own benefit, for our own comfort, 
for our opportunity. It's not. It's a responsibility that we carry as Jesus followers. So the ultimate purpose of our lives is to bring glory to God. And in the last five years of my life, being fully surrendered to his will, he's asked me to do things that are so outside of my comfort zone. Where do we grow? We grow outside of that place that makes us feel comfortable or feel good. And so I'm here. I'm, this, is, this is the proof that you can do the thing. You can do whatever he's asked you to do, no matter how scary. I know there's women in this room where, I mean, we can see the call of God on your life so clearly, right? Like, write the book already. <laughs> but, you know, like, you can see those gifts. They're very prominent in someone's life. You know, so step into it. We have to get out of our own way. I think I heard that three or four different times from the speakers. Like, get out of our own way and step out in faith and watch him meet you there. He's met me here. Because in and of myself, I would faint to speak in front of people. I would literally just pass out at the thought. So it is only by the Holy Spirit that we can do some of these things. I mean, it's, it's the Lord's capacity and it's our obedience. It's our partnering with God, saying, yes, Lord, I'm all in on that, whatever you have. And that's the place I came to in my life five years ago where I was just like, whatever it is, Jesus, I don't care if it makes me terrified. I, my motto used to be, here am I, send somebody else. Because I was so scared that he was going to have me, like you said, Nilda, come up here with a microphone but at that point, I'm just like, Jesus, you gave everything for me. It is no longer I that lives, but you. You live in me, and I'm here for you, Jesus. Whatever you have, I'm going to do it. So send me. I'll go anywhere. Send me. Send you. You'll go anywhere, and you'll do the thing. Do the thing, I'm telling you. He'll meet you there in that place. He strengthens you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's where he shows out. When we show up and decide to partner with him, that's where he's going to show out. That's where he's going to be glorified in your life. So I implore you to do the thing, girl. Do the thing. <laughs> so I want to take a look at one of the main hindrances that stand in the way of us fulfilling our God-given purpose. Um, I feel like an overarching theme so far has been let go. You know, remember that song? Let it go, let it go. Okay. So let go of what lies behind, like Paul said. I let go of what lies behind and I press forward, right? And our past can have a way of marking us. And I just read this the other day because um, I was thinking, man, we can be marked up in life. You know, we, ha we all have scars. We all have stories. Um, but are those scars going to define you? Does it define you? Or are we defined by his scars? I read that the other day. I was like, that's so beautiful. We are defined by the scars of Jesus. And you know what that definition is? Freedom. You are free. You are free to be who he made you to be. And it's up to us. Like, Jesus paid a very high price to set you free. But it is up to you to live free. It's up to me to live free, to walk that out. No one can do that for you but you. 
you decide, like Nilda said. It's a choice. We all have choices. Am I going to be defined by everything in the past that has happened to me? The, hor you know, the horrible things, the, the traumas, the rejection. Am I going to allow that to define me for my whole life? Or am I going to choose, am I going to decide to let go of that? Because that's not who I am. If I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, then that's not who I am anymore. I'm free, right? You're free. And honestly, like, I can speak to that because I did allow the scars of my past, the mistakes things that people spoke over me, judgments people made, how I judged myself. I let all of that deter me for decades from the will of God. But how many of you know that doesn't cancel his plans? We're not that powerful, okay? The callings of God are without repentance. If he's called you, he's marked you for purpose and glory, then that's settled. That's settled. You can run far and fast as long as you want, and it's still there. It's still there. So come back, decide, make that choice that you're going to stop running from the thing that he called you to. I used to say, like, I felt like Jonah, like, you know, that was my story. Well, no, it's not. It's not anymore. I'm not running from the calling that he has on my life. I carried that shame, like I said, for decades. And the amazing thing about God is nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. I would, you know, sometimes think like, oh, my gosh, all those years I could have been. Well, no, he was, he was building a platform for his glory to be displayed in my life. Nothing is wasted with the Lord. Those years, God can redeem them. Whatever you feel that you've wasted, the Lord can redeem it. Because that's what he does, and that's who he is. That's who he is. So I stand here today to testify to the fact that God is in the business of redemption. And when I stopped running and when I decided to surrender all of that pain, um, in my 20s, I was married and divorced. And I, like, we can make these things that happen in our lives mean something. You can attach a meaning to that. So I felt like a failure when that crumbled and that fell apart. I felt like a failure. And I wasn't innocent in that. I made mistakes all along the way. It takes two people. And like Nilda said, it does. And, um, but I made it mean that I was a failure. That's what I made it mean. That's the meaning that I attached to it. And then that kept me down. And it kept me feeling like I was unworthy and I was disqualified. And God could never use you. You know, like just the lies of the enemy. And over time, if you listen to that over and over, that becomes your belief about yourself. That's the tricky thing about the mind. What you replay and you choose to dwell on. You can choose different thoughts. You know how in the Bible it says take your thoughts captive? That's why it says that. Because the mind is the enemy's playground. That's where he likes to play and tell you who you are. But you got to remind him who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. Who, the word of God tells you who you are. So if you don't know who you are, take a look inside this book. Amen. He will tell you who you are. You are worthy. You are beloved. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are free. You are healed. You are more than a conqueror through him. He paid a dear price for you. It is up to you to live free. Free. 
He offers that to all of us. Pictures, my little ones draw me. They're all in my Bible. (laughs) It's up to us to live free. It really is. The Lord purchased that with his blood for you and for me. Psalm 103.4 says, He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if condemnation is coming at you, that isn't from the Lord, right? It's from the enemy of your soul. So you shut it down. You take authority over it in the name of Jesus. He gave you his name, the name that's above every name. It's up to us to use that, to take that authority and use it and take those thoughts captive. Another verse that someone else said earlier was that Jesus led captivity captive. That is such a powerful thing. That means everything that's ever held you captive in your life, Jesus took that thing captive. Walk that freedom out. The Lord will take the things that the enemy meant for evil in your life, and he will turn it around for your good and his glory. That's his word, and that's a promise. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together, or God, or we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's you. You've been called according to his purpose. He's working, even when you can't see it, and it doesn't feel like it, and it doesn't look like it. He is working on your behalf. He is for you, always for you. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, exhort you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called. Walk worthy, ladies of that calling that he's put upon your life. It's time to rise up and step in. Step in and do what he's called you to do. And I love that Paul calls himself a prisoner of the Lord. Isn't that so powerful? What are we a prisoner of? Our thoughts, our past, what they said over us. Or are we a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's freedom in that, being that prisoner. (laughs) There's freedom in that. Um, There are a few examples that came to mind when thinking of people who could have discounted themselves, counted themselves out of the race due to their past. Paul is actually one of them. I love Paul. Paul is, he's my guy. I love Paul. But, But Paul, he definitely, certainly, could have held on to the way that he lived prior to his encounter with the Lord, right? And made that mean, oh, I'm, I'm no longer, I'm not worthy then. I, I'm, I'm disqualified. He was, he was a Christian killer, a, a persecutor of the church and of the saints. He could have made that mean a lot of things. And guess what? We would have all missed out. Paul wrote most of the New Testament Because of his testimony and because he decided to forget what was behind him, guess what? Millions of people have found freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Countless millions because he let it go. He decided to let it go. Have any of you killed Christians? No, we haven't. We haven't killed Christians, okay? So I'm just saying, like, that's an extreme example, but that was his past. 
He could have allowed it to define him for his whole life and never stepped into the purpose that God had for him. He could have done that, but he didn't. He chose. He chose to let it go and forget what lied behind him. And Paul understood that to follow Jesus meant to join in his sufferings. That is not a popular message. That will not preach in a lot of churches, I'm just saying. Um, but there's a sanctification process that comes with salvation. It's not just, let's say, a sinner's prayer and all will be well. There is a sanctification process, right, that we walk through being Jesus followers. The story of Paul and Silas, and I love that Cheryl brought, I mean, she had the exact same scriptures. What are the odds of that? Like the Lord just kind of like weaves all of it together when you're in the same heart and the same spirit. She had the same block of scriptures. I think that is amazing. The, Paul, uh, the story of Paul and Silas being beaten and thrown into prison, it doesn't appear to be about purpose and glory in the moment, does it, at the outset. It just looks like unjust suffering. But I'm going to read through it because I think it's so beautiful, powerful, and important. So Acts 16, 25 through 34. Uh, let's see. About midnight, Paul and Cyrus, Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. That's an important part of the story. Suddenly... There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison, the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice and said, don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your house, your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds right away, and he he and all of his family were baptized. He brought them into the house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. Wow. So not only is that a story of worshiping when it doesn't look like God is for you, okay? They were just beaten. That's one thing that really stands out to me, how crazy they must have looked to those prisoners with freshly whiplashed backs and blood pouring down and their feet in shackles, praising God. This story clearly shows how God used the suffering they endured to bring about purpose and glory. They were marked for purpose and glory. The Lord had the jailer's salvation in mind and his family. What brought about that result? Paul and Silas, and their faithfulness to step out and to do it at all costs. It's going to cost us something. Obedience always does. But I just love that God has that foresight. He knew that jailer didn't know him. 
he knew the jailer's family wasn't saved. There's something to be said, I just, this is like a side note, but there's something to be said about the grit of the first century believers. Can I get an amen? These people were torn to shreds for their faith in God because they stood for righteousness and what was right. They were fed to lions, they were thrown in furnaces, they were hung on crosses, they were boiled. I mean, you name it. And, you know, we're upset because they didn't have my water in the green room. Get over it yourself. I'm sorry. That was, that was just a side note. <laughs> that was just a side note, but that, I just feel like Western Christianity has become soft. Just, just kind of, it's, it's about me, and you know, like, you don't have what I, you know, just, just stop it. Just stop it, okay? Like, we're here to glorify God. We're here to glorify and lift high the name of Jesus. We'd do well to adopt their tenacious spirit, right, concerning the kingdom of God advancing. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16.24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's also not a popular message. Got to pick up our cross and follow Jesus wherever he would send us, to whomever he would send us. And like I said, the thing about obedience is it's going to cost us something. It can cost us our comfort. It most likely will cost you your comfort. <laughs> Your control, right? That's something we don't like to give up. We like to control things. Cost us leaning on our own logic and understanding of things. Lord, I trust you in this mess. I trust you that you're for me, that you're working it all together for my good, and that you would be glorified in my life, that other people would see you working in this. God's capacity plus our obedience equals abundance and freedom for others. There is freedom for other people on the other side of your yes to the Lord. There is freedom for others. Will you say yes and step in with all of your heart and do what he's called you to do? Another person that came to mind as I was praying was the woman at the well. We probably all know her story. This story has God's purpose and glory all over it. Jesus went to Samaria on purpose for the glory of God. In that culture, the Jews would avoid going through Samaria. Jesus deliberately went for a divine appointment and encounter with this woman because he knew that she would be there at 12 noon when nobody else goes to the well because it's the heat of the day. And she did that to avoid people. She had been married many times, as we know the story. And she did that to avoid those feelings, probably, of being ostracized by her people. And I'm going to, I know the story is a little bit long, but I think it's, I think it's worth going through um, because it was a divine encounter marked 
with purpose. There was so much purpose in why Jesus decided to go that way through Samaria. So we pick up that story in John chapter 4, um, right at the outset. Let's see. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria, or to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Another side note is men didn't associate with women like that. You weren't, you know, in that culture at that time to just talk to a random woman. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket. Wow. <laughs> if she knew who she was talking to. <laughs> and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself and as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will, be, will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water. She was like, I am in, uh, so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said. I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet, and our fathers worshipped you on this mountain, or worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. So powerful. Just then his disciples arrived, and they were amazed that he was talking to a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want or why are you talking to her? Then the woman left her water jar and went into town and told the people, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. We're going to skip down to verse 39. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said. 
when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. Wow. I love this story. Because Jesus is so intentional to meet us right where we are. He's so intentional to meet you right where you are today. You can be sitting under a heavy weight of shame or depression or fear or regret. He meets you right there in that place. Jesus goes low to bring you higher, to elevate you. That's what I love about him. He's so humble. He's so humble. And all throughout scripture, he championed women. He did. He championed women. He elevated them. When other people ostracized them and looked down on them and looked at them as property in those days, he championed them. And I want to say that Jesus did not bring up the fact that she had five husbands to shame her. How do we know that? Because that's not consistent with the character of Jesus. He was not shaming her. He wanted her to know that he knew her. He knows you too. He knows you too. And he's not turned away by the things you've done in your past. He is not turned away. He says, come. He says, come just as you are right now. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to make yourself good enough for the Lord. He did that for you. He made you good enough. He made you worthy. He called you beloved. He loved you first. Remember that. He loved you first. He chose you first. Before you chose him, he chose you. He chose you. So he wanted her to know that he knew her. He knew her whole story, the broken places, the rejection, and he still called her loved, chosen, set apart for the glory of God. Her transformation changed not only her life, it didn't just set her free. That's what I love about this story. Purpose and glory. He's always looking further than, than we can see. He knew that she would go evangelize that town and that more people would come to know him because she let her shame go. She dropped it. She let it go. That's the theme here. Let it go. Let it go. It doesn't hold you anymore. It doesn't hold you. If the Lord holds you, if, if you've placed your faith in him, that, that thing has no power over you. No power. So I don't know what you may sit here with. Like I said, a heavy weight of shame or regret or any of that. I don't know. But God knows and he sees you right where you are. Maybe you're running. Maybe you've been running from your calling like I did. God has glory in mind when he looks at you. He's so intentional. The purpose that he put down on the inside of you, you bring that with you everywhere you go, like I said. Don't keep thinking it's this where is Waldo thing. Get busy loving Jesus and knowing him and making him known. All the rest is going to fall into place. It really is. That's what he does. He's just that good. He paid a high price for you. He's calling you to let go. To let go of fear, inadequacy, timidity, trauma. And believe that you are 
who he said that you are. A treasured daughter of Almighty God. He calls you beloved, worthy, and righteous. Precious, favored, his handiwork. And this world desperately needs who he made you to be, specifically. There's no one else like you. He chose you, like Jenny was saying that verse in Esther, for this time, handpicked for this time in history, for a reason, on purpose. We want to be women who desire to be spent for the glory of God, that at all costs we would live with a missional mindset to fulfill the purpose and the glory, or to bring him glory. We were made for this. We were made for this. It's time to rise up and show up. For the God who gave everything for us, everything, he laid it all on the line for you and I. It's time to do the same. God, whatever you have, whatever you have, I am here for it, right? Come hell or high water, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what comes my way, Jesus, it's you and me. It's you and me. You can do all things through him. He, he gives you strength. It's time to let go of the past and press forward in radical obedience to the call of God upon your life. And I'll just close with Ephesians 4.1 again because I think it's just so important that we get this embedded in our heart. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, exhort you, to walk worthy of the call to which you have been called. Remember, you're not a prisoner of your past. You belong to Jesus, and his plans for you are good. Life isn't always going to be good, but his plans for you are good, and he is good. So settle that in your heart. God is good. No matter what comes against me in my life, resolve that you know his character. His character, he is good, and he is for you, and he has called you. You are called according to his purpose. Don't let anyone speak otherwise over your life. You are called, and you are set apart for the glory of God and marked by purpose. Walk worthy of that calling, ladies. And I want to say that the time is short, right? We know that. We know. I mean, look around. I feel we are living in the last days. And the day is coming when we're going to give an account for what we did with what he gave us, right? What did you do with what I gave you? I want to be found faithful. And I know you want to be found faithful. He's looking for your obedience and your surrender, not your perfection. He doesn't use perfectly polished people. He uses surrendered, obedient people who are willing to partner with him and say, I am all in. I'm all in on what you have for me. So let's do that. Let's be all in, ladies. That's it. Short and sweet.